Inventors. This episode is pretty heavy as we talk about authenticity with Norma Hollis. Did you know that you can pick your parents? How'd that work out for you? Anyways, listen for that and much more. With Trent the Jet, they like agents on top of pavements, peppermint patty fragrance. Taking the credits when they spits and spritz a chip and dip a dip and dare la pin the tail. Death throw the penalty ID, throwing identity theft crime in the night. Pick pop key the lock, stop drop roll the dice, double double dough eat the rock road. Rochambeau tic tac toe crossing over with the nice flow with my industry. You see me room room play monopoly with my commodities. Stop the eyes and cross the teeth teeth. So how do you do, Venters? Today I'm in the lovely city of Inglewood, California, and I'm with my new friend and guest. She is the author of um, a few books, one of them being The Ten Steps to Authenticity, Creating and Rewarding a Satisfying Life, and the newest book, which just came out in May of this year, is A Blueprint for Engagement authentic leadership. So I want to welcome to with Trent the Gent, Norma Hollis. Norma, how are you? I am fantastic, Trent. It's nice to meet you and nice to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me to your lovely home. Thank you for having me on your lovely show. <laughs> Good. So we normally start with the beginnings. Um, today, however, I'm going to um, ask you a question that you normally ask of your clients. And that question usually is, who am I? So Norma, who are you? Who am I? I am a, uh, a very uh, tenacious black woman who is uh, on the planet to inspire people to be the person that they were born to be and live their life in such a way that they find where they fit. You know, I, I believe that life, that God has a jigsaw puzzle, and we're each a piece. And if we get our piece right, we fit and make that puzzle work. We try to make this puzzle work. And so I'm here to help uh, map the puzzle. Great. So now we can go back to the beginning. So <laughs> I believe I read that, so so what was your first memory of your authentic self? I thought I heard something that it was like two years old or something I happened around there. two-year-old story. <laughs> <laughs> it was it something, or maybe you remember something before that, and I'm like, that's remarkable. Well, um, I, two years old is the first memories on this, on this planet, yes. Um, I do have memories of before birth. I just started talking about them recently, in fact, so... Uh, and one of the reasons I talk about them so much now is because they keep coming true. So um, I think all of us have memories of before birth when we think talk about purpose and why we're here. Because where does that come from? It comes from somewhere. You just didn't dig it out of the ground or didn't fall out the sky and say, here, dang, here's your purpose. You were given some kind of instruction, some kind of something, somewhere, somewhere, somehow, some, somehow that got into your consciousness that made you feel that this is what I'm supposed to do, or this is what I'm not supposed to be doing, or I should be doing something else, or what, however it comes to you. And that actually are the people that I that I work with because I've been through that, so I, I know what that's like. 
But yes, my first memories, I have memories of before birth, and I have memories on this planet uh, at the age of two, when um, I thought that I was supposed to be telling my parents kind of who I was, or, and I thought that they would have knowledge of, of, I thought they would know me or they would know me and know what my purpose was and help me get my purpose. That's what I was led to believe from wherever I came from. So however it happened, you know, and I do have very distinct memories of a lot of that. So I was very disappointed when um, I couldn't communicate with them and I couldn't understand them. And my father tells a story about when I was two, when he was trying to tell me my name, teaching me my name. And he would always say, your name is Norma. What's your name? And I would say, my. He said, no, not my name, your name. Your name, your name is Norma. What's your name? And I'm saying, I'm trying to tell him what they told me to tell him. It's mine. And I'm not sure what it was I was trying to say. People have asked me that, I'm not sure. But it stuck with me all my life. My mother tells a story about when I was two years old, my hair changed. You know, as African Americans, we're born with this beautiful silky hair that we call beautiful and silky hair, okay? Yes. And one of the reasons is because it's, it's easier to take to, to care of. Because, you know, baby hair is so fine, and so my hair is fine and silky. And my hair stayed that way up to two years old. And then she said it changed overnight. Then she cried. <laughs> but I think this all correlated. Because a lot of emotional things I've learned over the years that a lot of spiritual things that happen to us, there's a physical or medical correlation to it. So we don't always recognize that and figure that out. But that's been my experience. So as I look back on my life and remember that there was a confusion in my life at that time. You know, people call it, you know, my degrees in early childhood. Mm -hmm. So that's why I learned some things and they call uh, the tube's a terrible tube. Yes. Well, it'd be terrible too if you try to talk to somebody you can't tell them what's on your mind, right? Yes. <laughs> so I think that's what terrible tubes are about. They say it's about being a teenager. You you know you realize you have independence, and I'm sure that's a part of it too. But I think the greatest frustration, just as we see in 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 seniors who have strokes, is that they can't communicate. Mm -hmm. So I mean, how does a child feel, especially if you feel you came to the planet having a sense of what you're supposed to do? And you want to share it, but how do you share it? You feel it, you know, and that feeling stays with you for a long time. And maybe because you put the, couldn't put words at, to it as a child, as a baby, maybe that's why it's so hard to connect to it as an adult. You know, that plus all the things that life puts on you to take you away from your authenticity. So I think that's another one. I have never thought about that before, but that's, you know, potentially, a, yeah. definitely a, a reason for so obviously the 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 memories before birth and you mentioned the word spirituality so obviously that's a very spiritual spiritual concept that most are probably like mm, wow she's she's really deep are there any of those memories that you could share with with us well i'll share i'll share the basic memory that i, that I have and and tell you about some of the people that were in that that are interested in my life. And you know, there are and I've researched this for years, it's part of my authenticity. So because nobody I came from the traditional Detroit. And so nobody ever believed me when I said, Well, God told me this or I'm here to do that and they looked at me strange and never validated that these were my you know, my beliefs. As a matter of fact, I just I was in Detroit recently and 
saw my sister who um, just really hurt me a lot because at a certain point when I really was extremely confused and needed some help and she was just like, you know, go get a job and just, you know, whatever. But I had something more important to do, you know, and it's like, you didn't, you don't know me, you don't know that about me at this point in time, you know, so it's very difficult for those who are very creative um, and spiritual uh, because you go through stuff that you can't put words to that but are very real because they fall from the inside and they even occur sometimes but you can't you know always put put words to it you can't get it validated mm-hmm. because most people don't I mean, we're taught not to believe that we're taught to believe you know in the tangible or in what the church teaches you only even if what the church teaches you conflict with what you feel so and that ends up being a challenge you know so so that's what I help people with a lot and because of what so the before birth memories, um, I was in a cocoon um, uh, in just a wonderful feeling, a cocoon with a soulmate. And then we were abruptly awakened and separated. And I was taken down this long hall and I was guided down there. He looked at Isaac and he Who's the soulmate? I'm okay. Is it a twin? Is it like, what's going on here? I mean, and I've told this story over and over and over. I mean, I remembered it from my childhood, and I told it, and they looked at me like, this like you. <laughs> but I didn't have the life experience to, and the, and the vocabulary to, you know, express it, you know. And then when they ignored it, it's like, I guess you don't talk about it, which, you know, which impacted my life in a number of ways. So anyway, I'm going down this hall, and I remember there were two turns, and I was taken to a room, and it was almost like a screen. I've never told, said that part before, but it was almost like a screen. But I was given my assignment, if you will, and I don't remember what it was. But I was given I was given the choice, given two choices. One was, did I want the winter of my life first or last? And I said I wanted the winter first so I could enjoy it, appreciate the summer. And the second thing that was asked was for me to select my parents. And I was given choices of three separate parents. And one set would have, you know, they all would have, would have helped me meet my objective. And my objective is an objective that, it's not a one lifetime objective. It's a multiple lifetime objective, which all of us have. We just don't always realize it. Because it's a continuation. They're just in different forms. Okay? So I was given instruction of the next phase, the evolution of my um, assignment and um, given the choice of three parents, one of which would have been quick and fast. And, but anyway, I don't remember the other. These have are faded. I've, have, I've written about it, never published. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the one that I selected was the third choice, which, was, which would take the longest, would be the most difficult, but would have the greatest impact. And that's the one that I picked. I've since changed my mind, but it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> you picked it. <laughs> That's what I remind myself. You picked it. Exactly. You know, but, uh, so anyway, then um, I went back to my area. You know, I don't know if to call that a living area, a house. There were other energies there that I returned to. Not the same cocoon that I was in, but the house, if you will, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, you know, I can't tell you. Yes. But, 
when I got back, they were excited. I paced, where are you going? No, good to see you, you know? So what's up? You know, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Earth. They said, really? They said, it's so hard down there. I said, I know, but I'll be all right. And some said, I'm going with you. Others said, no, I ain't coming. You call us if you need us, okay? So um, that's what I remember about the before birth experience. Now, um, the uh, primary person that was in the house where I was, um, and I never told her that, but we called her Queen Mother. And I never told her that. I have to tell her that. Um, I saw her one day at St. Bridget Catholic Church. And uh, I was new there, which I'll tell you about in a minute. And I saw her and I said, that's her. That's Queen Mother. That's her. And then I walked over her to her and I said, hi. Ooh. I said, hi, my name is Norma. And we're supposed to be friends. And she shook hands. And we've been best friends ever since. Wow. And I asked her years later, I said, so what did you think when I told you that? She says, I thought we're supposed to be friends. Hmm. And even my sister, when she met us, she says, you two have a thing. You have a thing. But we do. We have, we call ourselves the same person in two different bodies. Mm -hmm. Because we came from the same place. Yeah. So now before, uh, the way that I got to St. Bridget Catholic Church, when I came out here from Detroit, I was 29 years old. And... I was the only person in my family that went to church every Sunday. I was always very serious about doing what God would have me do. And there's more stories about that. But I looked for church for five years. I went to every black church I could find in Los Angeles. And I found a few that I liked, but none that said, this is home. Okay. None said that. So then it's Easter week, and I'm watching TV, and they're showing... Now, NBC, they're showing on the news different churches. And this particular day, I think it was a Wednesday, they showed St. Bridget Catholic Church. And they had, uh, the spirit just came through the TV screen and just really touched my heart. And I said, oh, I'm going to go there. Because I was, I, that was the time that I was church hopping. I'm going there. And I'm going to go there, I said, I'm going to go there soon. I forgot what I said. So, mm -hmm. no, so that, but anyway, I was going there soon. Anyway, the following Sunday, um, I went to a rally. Jesse Jackson was running for president in 1984. And when I got there, they introduced the Mass Choir. And they said the Mass Choir includes St. Bridget Catholic Church. I said, Catholic, you singing here? They got a gospel choir or something there? Let's see. Then they said, and the guitarist is from St. Bridget. I said, oh, I'm going on Sunday. <laughs> I'm going next. That's where I'm going next, next Sunday. After five years looking for a church, I was not Catholic. I went to that church and I joined it that day. Wow. Because I felt the energy there. So when I was a child, I told my mother that I would meet my husband in California after I'm 30 years old. The one thing that she looked at me like it was strange. That's one of the things I said out of many. Anyway, at St. Bridget, after I was there for a month or so, I felt him at the church. 
And I just kind of looked around. His presence. I, I thought his presence. Okay. I thought his presence. And um, I recognized two guys in the choir. I said, it's one of those two guys. I said, it can't be that one because he's too young. So it must be that Never one. Never do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. So it must be that one. So I would watch and I would watch him, and next thing I knew, he is a soloist, and he's singing, you know, the lead on the choir. I said, "Oh, he's cool." So I watch him, and then I at at, at, at at St. Bridget they have the sharing of the peace, where you walk around and shake hands, and I would watch where he walked, and then eventually I moved myself from where I would usually sit to sit the path where he walked, and he would walk by. And he would shake everybody's hand to the person to my right, and then he'd move on. Did that two or three times. I said, what's that about? <laughs> and then the one day he went forward and shook my hand, my spirit leaped out of my body and said, yes! You know, it was just like, wow. I said, because what I had planned on doing was joining the choir. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, I like to sing. I have a bunch of a voice, but I still like to sing. <laughs> and I was going to join it in... August, when my Head Start program started back, and I just, you know, when the school year started back. But after that happened, which was around, no, I was going to join in, I was going to join in September. My dates are a little confused. This must have been, this was August, though. So, uh, and I said, I'm joining, I'm joining, I'm, I'm going to practice on Tuesday. So I went to practice on Tuesday, and uh, the choir director put me in the tenor section, and, um, and I ended up sitting right next to Robert, or near him, or something. And so he started calling me Norma the tenor. And the following Sunday, we were singing at the Watts Towers Festival. And when I got there, Robert was standing there waiting for me with a single red rose. And followed me the whole the rest of the day we did that ever since. Wow. Still married today. No. Um, we separated after sixteen years. Because Robert, I loved Robert very deeply. He was a very creative person and also a little creatively delusional, so <laughs> um, practical things. And I couldn't get through to him on certain things. And so we separated and then 10 years later divorced and then stayed best friends mm-hmm. the whole time. Two years later, in 2015, he was murdered. He was eighty uh, percent blind, and somebody—you um, uh, don't know what happened. <laughs> she and uh, Robert ever have kids? No, we raised my niece. He had, he already, he already had five kids. Okay. He was fine. He was happy to know that it was good. The reason why I asked, um, you know, you mentioned your parents not really knowing your true purpose you mentioned your sister not really knowing you so i was going to ask you you know as it it would seem a piece of that puzzle so to speak is is the parents being on that same level to understand their children so they can guide them in the right direction so they can um, manifest that purpose and that authenticity so um, so you raised your niece, so how did, was that an advantage from you 
having the, the mindset that, that you have, and do you think that's what's lacking in a lot of parenting today? Oh, it's lacking in a lot of parenting, absolutely. And it was lacking in me to, to a degree because it's different. You know, there's a time in life that, check me, that 30s, 25 to 40 time period, where, you know, life kind of requires you to be really focused on what you're doing. Because, you know, you're building, and, you know, you're building your income, you're building your stability, you're building your family, you're building, you know, so it's hard to have attention to the things that really matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's confusing to even determine what really matters. Uh, and then on top of that, it's confusing to even understand how to raise a child uh, with a certain consciousness when there's so much competition for their attention in so many other ways that are so easily distracted. And there's so much effort to distract them. Yes. Yeah. So it takes an extremely conscious parent um, to do that. And, you know, and it's, 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 it's hard to be, even if you are that conscious. If you're that conscious, usually you don't care that much about money. But money cares about you. Yeah. Okay? And so finding that balance is difficult. And then if you have the money... It takes so much of your time that you really can't put it in the things that are going to be meaningful for you in the long run. So, you know, so you have to compromise something, but you don't really know that, you know, and life tells you to do, to do this one thing. And, and, you know, I just spent two months in China. And one of the things that I really loved about it is that the environment that I was in, I was in a college university, university, so it might be a little different. But there was no greed anywhere, nowhere. Everywhere people would say, how can I help you? What can I do to assist you? And here, the mindset, whether you, whether you intended to be or not, the mindset is, what can I get from you? Totally. How can I get over on you? you know, or whatever, however it is. And if you don't have that mindset, you get crushed a lot. And you don't even understand why. Mm-hmm. So it's just... So to raise a child with consciousness, to overcome that mindset, which is so prevalent, is 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 a huge job. Yeah. So we're hitting on a lot of things. You <laughs> You you mentioned your your trip. Um, and one of the questions that I was going to ask later, and I'll, I'll, I'll come here. It we have these different segments that one would be. Invent with Trent the Gent. So I would say, what's the best invention of all time? Um, spent with Trent the Gent. What was the best money you ever spent? And, and so on. But I was going to ask you, went, W-E-N-T, with Trent the Gent. So what was, the, what was some of the places that you have gone or went to that you have met the most authentic people and why? So I don't know if that was the story that you just shared or China, China would be that place. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't traveled extensively, but I've mm-hmm. traveled a little bit uh, to realize, to see authenticity more clearly, put it like that. So I would think out of all the places in the world, considering the lifestyle, communism, whatever we know about China, that, that would be the last place that you would say have the most authentic people. So why Well, but understand that I'm really referring primarily to the students that I met. Okay. I didn't meet a lot of the adults. The adults mm-hmm. that I met were mostly 
instructors from the United States. Mm -hmm. But the students themselves were completely unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. They were looking for jobs more career or aligned to their their what, what they're about. So one day I did an activity with the students where I helped them to identify their values and identify their top five values. And I met with a lot of them one on one to help them align their major with their values. And what almost every single one of them had in those top five was something that related to making the world a better place. Whether it was meaningful work or helping other people or I'm just I don't, I don't remember the list right now but mm -hmm. that's I only saw one person out of maybe 25 that I talked to one on one who had anything to do with money on their top five hmm. so that's what I mean yeah so leads me to another question and not to put you on the yeah, spot it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. That's right. That's like if someone says no, you, if someone says no disrespect, but well, we already know some disrespect is about to come, yeah, right? <laughs> so the weird thing, our our mutual friend Jose um, Mazzana, he introduced us, and when he first told me about you, he described you as the the voice coach, voice doctor. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, she helps you with your voice and and to speak properly and, and things of that nature. And then I find out, right, it's that authentic voice. Uh, so you mentioned how you role-played with, or you did an exercise with the students in China. Is there any way that you can role-play with me to whatever you did with them? Or, or it could be something else to help me find my authentic. So what, what would you do? Right, to that you could share over, over the the podcast well, to help me. Your authentic self is not like a. It, it's not going to happen instantaneous. It's not. It's not a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> so can we? So what would be the beginning? Can we get so, in the oven or what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just put me in the oven and baste well, me a little bit. Well, there's several things that I do depending on how how we're we're connecting. Okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, the most, the easiest thing for people to do is to take my online assessment. Okay. Which so is we, what I would We can't do that now. Yeah. But let me just tell people where to find okay, it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is AuthenticityAssessment.com. AuthenticityAssessment.com. But you know what I can do? I have to get some pay for it. You can get some okay. pay from your Okay. Yeah, I'll work it out of here. Well, I'll tell you what. You, you, have to get, you, just, you can keep it. Just draw a oh. grid. Let me draw a grid. Okay. And then, uh, let me just use this. You just can't take your notes from this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel empty now. So I may have to get my little, I may have to get my, uh, my grid to do this right. So, uh, on a scale of one to 10, I want you to think about uh, the word integration. And uh, for example, think about when you started to learn how to drive a car. And you had to think about, I have to sit like this, I have to hold the wheel or something, I got to figure where I'm going. You had to think one by one what's going on. And now you get in the car and you wonder how you got home so fast because you've integrated the process of driving. So I'm going to ask you nine questions that are going to relate to how you've integrated these concepts in your life. Okay. And the first one is intuition. And that's the ability to listen and follow your inner voice. 
Yes. So score yourself one to three if you feel you kind of you, you don't know what I'm talking about. So like four to seven, <laughs> I found it, but I don't know quite how to access it. Mm-hmm. And eight to ten, I find it and I let it lead my life. I would say four to seven. Give me one number, please. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's go six. six. I'm sorry. Okay. So the second question is on integrity, your value systems, and your values and your beliefs. So what do the values that you portray communicate to those who are watching and listening? One to three, you don't know what your values are. Four to seven, you can know your values and you're beginning to exercise them. And eight to ten, you live your life by your values. Go at nine okay. on that. Number three is inspiration. And inspiration is contrast to motivation. Motivation comes from the outside in, inspiration from the inside out. And you really don't get anything done unless you're really inspired. So on a scale of one to ten, how are you more inspired versus motivated? One to three, you don't know what inspired is. Uh, four to seven, you're equally motivated and inspired. Eight to ten, you inspire yourself. Eight. Okay. The next question. Now, those three were your inner voice, the voice that no one hears but you. Okay. The next three are your outer voice, how you're perceived by others. And the first question is on your net wellness, your overall sum of your whole total health. And really, we, we contrast and talk about holistic wellness and balancing holistic sides and what have you. So, on a scale of one to ten, um, how are you in net wellness? One to three is you don't know what uh, holistic means. Four to seven, you use holistic practices uh, in conjunction with one. Well, you're aware of it, but don't use it appropriately. And eight to ten, you know what you use. Eight. Okay. The next one is network, which is your quality and quantity relationships. Quality, people who know you well, know how you smell, and still like. <laughs> and quantity, the ones who you know but don't know well, but maybe you might call on if you need to find something or some assistance. Okay. So on a scale of 1 to 10, in terms of your network, 1 to, one to 3, I don't have any friends. Uh, 4 to 7, uh, I, uh, I, I know that I need to have more friends and I'm in the process of finding them. And 8 to 10, my friends and hence my life. 9. Um, the next one is net wealth, and net wealth is abundance, not dollars, and it's what brings you joy and abundance. And there are a lot of people who have a lot of money but don't have joy. Um, so on a scale of one to ten, one to three is I don't have many, I don't have abundance. Four to seven, I have I have abundance, but I'm not really displaying it. And four and eight to ten is I have abundance in many areas. Of Let's say nine on abundance. And then the next one is expressive voice, how you express yourself in the world. And the first one is legacy. And legacy refers to your natural gifts and talents. Not what you leave to your heirs, but what's put in you when you were born. So one to three is I'm not aware of my gifts and talents. Four to seven, I'm aware of them and learning how to use them. And eight to ten, I, my gifts and talents are integrated in my life. That's seven on that one. Um, the next one is likability, your personality. You can modify your personality for different environments. We all do all the time. We don't always recognize it. doesn't mean that we're crazy. just that we modify a lot of time. So one to three, I didn't know I could modify my personality. 
four to seven, I uh, am aware of my personality pros and cons. In eight to ten, I modify my personality to uh, meet my needs. Wish I myself. Eight. Okay. And the last one is lifestyle, which is your day to day habits. So um, we all have habits, and sometimes we don't even realize the habits that we have. Uh, so one to three, I have habits. Four to seven, I know of habits I need to change and I'm working on it. And eight to ten, my habits and habits collect. I'm going to seven on that one. So these are all questions that I give when I do one-on-one coaching sessions and when I do live events with people, with, with programs. Uh, I'm going to give you some scores in a minute and show people the power of this. And this is what took me 30 years to this is based on my authenticity grid and the assessment that I did with refer to So um, when, when you gave me your scores, I put them on the grid. And then as I as I add them up and tell you about them, um, you can let me know how accurate they are. Okay. And what kind of recommendations I put in for people. <laughs> so let's see. This, I think, is 21. Some type of correlation here. Okay, so um, what this says tells me is that you you are a high communicator. You love to um, people know you by your communication. That's your that's your your default. Whenever you you talk, I would say that's true. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you also are very strong on appearance. Your 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 higher scores are in your outer voice. You have inner voice, outer voice, and expressive. And you, your highest score, 26 on this round. Somebody doing some work nearby. <laughs> Probably some plumbing over there. So, um, and that really resonates with you being a tailor. Duh. Yeah. So you're very much into that. So, uh, and then also with the communication with you have in the podcast. So that makes a lot of sense. So you're a cross pattern on here. So where you could strengthen your life is to be more strategic to take more time and really think things through, plan things, evaluate things before you continue to move forward and take a little more time with that. And I might have cheated, because most people would say he plans, I mean, like if you looked at my phone, everything's planned out on my calendar. My friends would tease me sometimes that you put everything on your calendar. So I do kind of plan things out, but I probably downplay that. Well, the difference there though, is that by putting things on your calendar, you're doing. Okay. You know, this philosophy is that to get things done, it's a three-step process. First you think, then you communicate, and then you do. So when, what you're doing is you're doing tasks, and you put them on the calendar. 
strategy means you planned out the next three months yeah. and, and did the calendar based on what your goals were for those months and not do your calendar based on the tasks that there you go. Done. Yeah. So, so that's, that, that's the difference. That would be true. I'm yeah. probably more just do it and And so your, your do score is higher than your think score. Yeah. It's like we're, we, have, we have goals but we're not really going to plan it out. We're just going to do these tasks, and if I do these things, then I should reach my goals. So, and then, yeah, and then right. you wonder why your goals aren't fit, because it's a strategic area. Now, yes. So that would, that would strengthen you. So you speak it first, then you do it, and then you think it. Mm-hmm. So to, to reverse that a little bit, we'll give you, make you more, help you be more effective. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> we'll help you so, be more authentic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you did mention a few things there that I was going to touch upon, too. Um, you mentioned the natural gifts and talents. Yes. And my question going into this is, so besides, obviously this this could help. I can see how this could help one find their natural gifts and talents. So that was my question. I'm sure there's a ton of listeners and people out there that are talented in right. something, but they have no idea what those natural gifts and it's not that they could sing like Whitney Houston. So, I mean, obviously, if you have a voice like that and you just sing, you would figure it out. So, how, how do you figure out some of these natural talents that might be dormant, per se? How? Well, let me first give you another website. Yeah. <laughs> AuthenticityU.com. That's authenticity with the letter U at the end.com. That's a site where I'm great. I have courses that will answer these questions. And one of those courses that I just put up last week, in fact, is called, uh, you know, what are my gifts and talents? So, uh, and it also correlates the gifts and talents with the jobs that are for the future. Because one of, the, one of my goals is to help parents and students find their right, their authentic right path. And so often students do what their parents tell them, but the reality is that many of the jobs are changing and when they need to be existing in the, in, the, in the near future. So the gifts and talents that we talk about, there's nine of them. And if you're listening, you might want to write these down. You can judge for yourself which ones are your strengths. You can take the assessment on authenticity.com and, and see there. What I generally tell people is to find your top three strengths and make sure you're doing them in your life. Ideally, in a work environment, <clears throat> if not at work, at least in hobbies on some kind of regular basis to keep you authentic and happy. So one is verbal, people who like to speak uh, and communicate and talk and write. Second is visual, visual, spatial. People who uh, like color, they can, um, they do jigsaw puzzles, for example. And drafts persons uh, become artists, things of that nature. Bodily kinesthetic, people that like to move around and like to touch things a lot. Musical, that one is pretty obvious, everybody knows musical. Um, logical, mathematical, that is not just like math, but the ability to see the big picture and apply things from a big picture perspective. There's naturalistic, which is like being outdoors. Um, there is interpersonal, like being around other people. Intrapersonal, like being alone. And existential. Existential is kind of woo-woo people who have a connection with the universe and with unseen energies. Those are the nine. The existential was not well uh, respected. This was all developed, uh, rec- recognized by Dr. Howard Gardner maybe 40, 50 years ago. And only uh, the first eight were really respected, but the existential he, rec- he saw, but it's just recently that people are starting to be recognized. Wow. Especially about evolution. 
The other thing that you mentioned were um, habits, daily habits. And so that was going to be one of my questions to you. What is, what's your best habit uh, or habits? Well, you know, I, um, when I share my programs, I talk about my high school, my, my, my school years. Because when I graduated from high school, I was one of two people that got an award for perfect attendance. Because I made the decision when I was, I don't know, maybe eight or nine, I don't remember exactly. Because my, my grandparents had bought a piano for, for us. And my sister and brother fought over the piano. It didn't mean that much to me. So I said, so what can I do to make myself special? So I can be smart. So how can I be smart? Go to school every day. So that's what I did, except for the one day I was off because of my ear infection in the hospital that they, they forgave that. So I wish that I could be as steadfast in making some disciplined habits as I was for all those years that I was young and in school. Uh, but I, I'm not quite that disciplined yet. I guess one of my I guess one of my good habits is really that I am very um, fastidious about about doing my work, about doing doing what I'm here to do. You know, I'm I'm, I'm up, I work at home, and it doesn't make a difference. I'm at my desk at night, nine o'clock every day, sometimes earlier. So, and I, you know, I listen and to the best of my ability, you know, follow what what works. It, it, it may not, it does not fit with the way most people live their life, but it's the way I'm supposed to live my life. Yeah. So, and that's authentic for me. Love it. <laughs> um, I mentioned some segments that we normally do, so we might want to get to those. <laughs> we'll run out of time. So let's do the fill in the blank segment first. All right. So I'm going to say a couple of words, and then you're going to fill in the blank. Don't stop. Stop speaking. So now you get a chance to expound on that a little bit. Well, you know, do you mean someone that just can't stop talking and just kind of dominate the, the conversation? Because we always hear, right? You should listen more than you, you speak. When uh, I have a, my first book that I wrote is called "The Process to Become a Professional Speaker," and when I autograph it for people, I tell them, "Speak your mind, speak your passion." So that's, that's where I went. Yeah, there you go. So it's for speakers. If you have a message in you, don't stop sharing that message. If that's it's calling, it's a message. Just do it. Speak it. Yeah. Nice. Second one. You can be authentic, live authentically, have an authentic life. And if you're not in tune with yourself and you don't have a coach like you, how does one go about manifesting that? Well, authenticity starts with the inner voice and listening to the voice that speaks within. That's the uh, voice that guides all of us if we allow it to be there. So people will say, I don't know, either I don't know my voice or the Chinese girls, I didn't know it was so important. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's the right voice, how to trust it. So this is what I suggest, uh, two things. Um, first, think about how you answer yourself when you say to yourself, every day, what am I going to wear? 
or what am I going to eat? Well, what time is it? We ask those questions to ourselves every day, all day long. And we get an answer. I haven't seen anybody walk outside naked. But <laughs> people seem to be eating, right? Uh-huh. So examine how the answer comes to you. Some people get an answer as a vision. Some get it a feeling. Some uh, a memory. It, uh, a taste in your mouth. I, I have a suit that I bought when I uh, lost 20 pounds. And uh, that suit, I love that suit. And um, it's been over 20 years. I still wear that suit. Nice. And I, I still wear the jacket. It's tattered. People can't always tell. But when I wear that suit, I feel the spirit because I remember when I first bought it and how the spirit just shine, you know. And that's when I know that that I'm with I'm in alignment. So look at what makes you in alignment and how it feels for you, and that helps you know that's the spirit. Now the next thing that you can do is um, this happened to me when I was eight when I had these ear problems and the adults weren't going to assist me. And the voices started talking to me. So I said to the voice, I said, okay, if you're the real voice, if you're that, you must be pretty powerful because you got my attention. But for me to trust you, you got to prove it to me. So in the next week, let somebody walk by wearing red socks. And let somebody else mention the word elephant in the conversation. And if that happens, maybe I'll believe you. And in a week, both of them happened. And I did it again, I don't know, four or five times. And the voice finally said, do you believe me? And then that started my journey, that spiritual journey in connection with finding a voice. So that's what I recommend for anyone, those two, those two aspects who may be wondering how to get deeper, how to connect, um, because it's the most gratifying way to live your life, to be in a relationship with the voice that is guiding you and sent you. Love it. Third one. And you might have already answered this one, but it's conver- conversations are blank. Well, the first thing I thought of was valuable, then I thought of meaningful, and then I thought of conflict. So there are all of those sometimes, depending on who you're conversing with and what you're conversing about. Yeah. Interesting. Thing. Conflicting ones are those valuable? Just, you know, it's as long as they don't go to violence, which mm-hmm. I mean, you learn. You learn sometimes when you're just reading somebody if you're patient enough to listen and learn. You know, some people listen but they don't learn, and then maybe don't listen at all. But the, the beauty about the world is there's so many different perspectives. Yeah. So you know, why not try one out? You might like it. <laughs> that's that's what I feel is wrong with the world because we don't listen to each other or we're not interested in finding out someone else's perspective so if all we if we can just commit to that and even if we still disagree like you said in that process we're going to learn something or we're going to learn oh i didn't know that's why you felt that way i i totally misunderstood how you came about feeling that way so a lot does come from that um we mentioned some of the things that might distract us from time to time. And so I wanted to somehow bring social media into this uh, conversation. So, so the social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, how, how has that set back 
the authenticity movement per se. Uh, because normally on those platforms, people, they may be thinking that they're sharing their authentic self, but obviously they're sharing the highlights of their life, um, all the good things that are happening in their life as their best selves to the world. So how is that set back, like the movement that you're working on? That's a good question. I don't. I don't. You. You know. You. You making the assumption that it set it back. Mm, I, I sure am. Yeah. Well, I. I think it has because I don't think anyone's being authentic on those platforms. Well, or, what I like. I shouldn't about, say anyone, but the majority are just. What I like about the platform is mm-hmm. that it gives you the opportunity to be authentic, whether you choose to or not. Is another story. Hmm. People sometimes think that they're being authentic, but they. Uh, they haven't gotten to the complexity, the depth of authenticity, as I see it. What, and I'm contrasting this to, uh, I just wrote an article recently that people forget when they do the transition part of my assessment, which talked about the future of work and how in the future, not that long, the number of jobs that are available will be diminishing considerably. That, um, there's going to be a tremendous number of uh, a tremendous, tremendous increase in artificial intelligence mm-hmm. uh, and robots taking over. And so, when you talk about authenticity, what's the authenticity in a robot? They, one of the new jobs they have coming up is an Android relationship counselor to counsel humans who have relationships with Android. <laughs> Real, like this is my my, my boyfriend, my boo. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've heard of this. So, and then, so one of the new jobs coming up will be counselors who can coach and counsel people who are in some of those kind of relationships. I know you look at that. I'm just saying, it's that prevalent. That's going to be an industry. Well. But, but when you talk about authenticity, uh, social media looks pretty good when you look at it in terms of artificial intelligence and what's coming. So I don't know that social media has set us back as much as artificial intelligence is setting us back. And I think if we look at social media as an opportunity to fix that, as a matter of fact, what, what, what the articles have said is that we're going to have people that are going to show us how to be human. We will have forgotten how to be human. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty heavy. Really heavy. That's very heavy. So, you know, if we can, if this, if this is what's happened, and this is still maybe three months of new information for me, I'm still processing all of this, okay? I've never read an article about it, but, and kind of the question is, I appreciate it because it helps me to process it a little bit more and realize just how I need, I need to process it to think about it a little bit more. Yeah. But, um, Social media is a great opportunity to to get past that or to have to give it the balance that it needs. And so maybe the authenticity movement is a movement that includes the social media element to, to use it for purposes of getting to know each other, going deeper. I don't know why I thought of this, but <laughs> are there 
the question I want to ask is, and you don't have to answer it, but I just want to know if this is a viable question. Who is the most authentic person that you know besides yourself? Is that is that a good question? Is that a? I mean, is there levels of okay, that person really authentic? Well, and there are levels in their styles, you know, and everybody's authentic in their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, most authentic, I don't know that. I I don't know that I can judge that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at. Is there any way to judge that because? Only for that person to know how. Well, you know what's interesting is uh, one of the girl, one of the girls from my past life um, that I saw in church, Queen Mother, okay, mm-hmm. who who helped me a lot in the very initial stages. And she says every time she takes the assessment, her scores go down, and they go down because she's more authentic in her answers. So there, there you degree, go. There are degrees of authenticity. Exactly. Yeah. You're as authentic as you can be at the time, mm-hmm. but as you become more self-aware, you become more authentic. Yeah, yeah. I can see how I know myself just being aware. The more aware I get of who I am, and recognizing and forgiving myself for not being perfect, and accepting the things I can't do, and recognizing my gaps and where I need support and assistance, it it makes me feel better. Yeah. Because I don't have to put such a burden on myself. Yeah, no, she's she's totally right. Because even when you're asking me the questions, I'm like, well, I want to be authentic. Right, right. right I don't right. want to sound like a loser. <laughs> 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 exactly. But you know, I don't want to sound like I think I'm all that too. So it is. Yeah, it's a that's that's a good one. Well, it always oh. interests me when people take my assessment and they give themselves all hands. <laughs> and I don't. I, I really, don't that think, happens. Oh, it happens a lot. It happens more than you would expect. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people. And is this they're that into themselves, or they really are afraid to to face the music per se? Well, you know, when you think about it, most of us are. We spend our childhoods trying to be perfect. We're supposed to get all A's. Put everything mom and dad say to do. So, you know, it makes us think that we stop trying to be perfect when we get older. Yeah. So, and then to be perfect, we lie to ourselves sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a habit. I've done it myself. Yeah. I can wait. I, you know, so. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, let's um, get this other segment in. I already told you this was coming. So, are you right-handed or left-handed? I am right-handed. Okay. And I always have to say, I must attract right-handers. Because out of all my podcasts, like the majority of them, of them have been right-handed. The majority of people on the planet are right-handed. There you go. So, but at some point, you would think I have some lefty. <laughs> you haven't found any yet. It's like the whole world must be right-handed. The follow-up question: Are you right brain or left brain? I am. Um, yeah, I'm really interested on this one. Are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really very balanced. You know, I see myself as more right brain, and some people see myself as, see me as more left brain, which I find very interesting because mm-hmm. I don't see myself as left brain. I am, I am logical. I'm logical, mathematical is my number one gift. So that's that's left brain. Mm-hmm. There you go. However, the research that you do has to be more left, I would think. But my writing about it is right. There you go. And my creating a grid and an assessment 
and all the books and the products I've done is right. Yeah. And the way I put color to it is right thing. And the way I put games to it is right thing. Yeah. So you, know, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> You're both. Most most have been a little bit of. I think I've only had one gentleman that just said emphatically, "I'm left." Okay. Right, and that was the end of the story. I consider so. I'm what I need to be. Yes. Most of the time. Exactly. Yes. Um. We'll, we'll throw this one in because you mentioned your sister. Do you have any other siblings? I have. Uh, I have a brother and another one. Okay. So, someone once I did the left hand, right hand, left brain, right brain. He and said they're all right handed. All right, good. He said, you should actually throw this one in. So for you, I'm going to throw this one in. So in the line of your siblings, are you the firstborn? Where are you in, in that? I was, I'm the secondborn. Secondborn. My sister and I were born in the same year. Okay. She was born in January. I was in December. Mm-hmm. I was a middle child for 15 years. And, well, actually 12 years. Because my brother was three years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And she was the first girl. He was the first So, and the reason why he wanted, or he felt I should ask this question, because he felt like the firstborns were usually the ones that really excelled, I don't want to say in life, but they, it was just something about the firstborn that they tend to do a little bit more. Well, there, there, there are different theories on that. Uh, the firstborn oftentimes are, sometimes they're also the most depressed because they're most expected of them that they couldn't fulfill. The middle child is also sometimes the one that is the most, um, Depressed and lonely, and also the one in the south, most because they have to they have to prove themselves. So it, you know, they're different. You can prove it. It's like the Bible. You can put any theory you want on there. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right, let's wrap up. And um, I think this is a good one to to end with. Do you have pets? Do you have a dog? No, I do not. Okay, so. No dog, no kid, but we're going to ask the question. I have, I have plants. <laughs> you got plants. You talk to them, man. And, and I, have, I have a program that I've, that I've been raising for 40 years. Okay, there you go. Exactly. So, other than talking to the plants, do you do you put mayonnaise on the leaves? Do you do, you do that? <laughs> like that? What? I heard that was a good thing. I heard like to give it a shot. It, it may be, but it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Oh, you're, yeah, you're. Yeah, I mean, it might not make plants healthy. You're, you're at your desk at yeah. nine p.m. every yeah. night. So, nine a.m. Oh, nine a.m. I'm it's sorry. Morning. No, 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 <laughs> I thought you said p.m. too. No, 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 no. Nine a.m. I usually wind down. At, I'm like a nine to five. You know, uh, a little bit. Good. Nine to So, no dog, no kids, but we're gonna ask anyway. So, what do you think about this advice that someone once said? And I don't know who it was, but someone once said this. Be the person that your dog and kids think you are. Because those are the ones that love you unconditionally, right? Dogs, they just love you. They'll meet you at the door all the time. Your kids, obviously, it's unconditional. So what about what about that advice? If you're going to be authentic, be that person that your dog and kids think you are. That's not authentic. Because your dogs, your dog's <laughs> view of you is, you know, master, you're going to feed me, you're God, you're God to your dog, hmm. okay, and you're God to your kids too, especially when they're very young, because they depend on you, mm-hmm. 
So parents and dogs, I'm sorry, children and dogs put parents on pedestals. When we're on the pedestal, which way can you usually go? Down. Down. You get kicked off, you fall down. So, so don't be not, that person. It's man. not be the person. Okay. It's feel like that person. Hmm. So how does how do you feel when that dog approaches you and says, Ah, so good to see you And when the kids say that. Mm-hmm. So feeling and from an energy perspective, a happy life is about a happy feeling. Wow. So if you're gonna be that person, you put an expectation on yourself that is too far out of reach. How are you gonna be that person your dog wants you to be? How are you gonna do that? Well, it seems pretty easy. All I got to do is show up and put some food and take it for a walk and well, this, they're happy. You want a life that simple? Uh, I, I don't. Well, that's you talk about being. You said feeling fine. You yes. said happy. Yes. Feeling fine. But being, no. Yeah. Because there's no meaning in that. Yeah. And then the kids are just, you know, I mean, who doesn't think their their, their parents is our God? Yeah, we all do. Oh, yeah. Some people. And then they disappoint <laughs> us when we realize... Oh, there is human. There's my friend that I don't like over there. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's a hard, it's a hard pill to take. Yeah. But to what? feel that way, that's what you want to feel. Yeah. One more, and then we are. I should have ended it there, but we're talking <laughs> about parenthood, and you're probably, and, and I have to say, well, I'll say this after when we sign off. But you're probably like the second person, and if I heard you right, correct me if I'm wrong, that we select our parents. Isn't that what you said? Yeah. Right, by you got three choices? Right. So, can you, I mean, obviously that's, you know, the, the life before this that, that, that you were talking about. Is there any other things that you want to share about that selection process? Because I, I think that is something that we, and you hear that a lot, that, well, I was, I was born with that. I didn't get a chance to choose my parents or my, or my siblings. So obviously you feel that that's not the case. That we I do don't know choice. if you pick your siblings or not, but I know I've lived with you pick your parents. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that many times. And I've heard I don't know that the experience is what I remember as my experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that even people remember it. In fact, neither of my friends that I mentioned, the, the, the queen mother or my, my husband, uh, they both said to me, I don't remember what you, what you, what you talked about. Now, but I believe you. But I, you, know, you have such conviction, and I, yeah. just, I just feel the, uh, you said it forever, I believe you. you know? And even my sister, after all these years, just last month, acknowledged that, you know, even though she just, tuned out, if you will, whenever I talked about my stuff, you know, but she was, she apologized, you know, she was like, big time. Yeah. Yeah. So there's obviously no way to prove that we can pick our parents. Well, um, there are ways to prove it. There are, um, there's past life regression, hypnosis. I have a friend that does that. Um, I've had it done a few times. There's some people who are really good at it, some people or not, mm. because you're black, you're make assumptions about what your past was, and that really helps you get into it. Um, what I will say is that my experience has been that there's certain people I meet in my life who there's an instant connection with. 
And those generally are the ones that I have past life relationships with. And I can, if I can't identify it exactly, I can feel it. I know that um, Queen Mother that I mentioned was uh, my grandmother in a previous life. I know that my ex-husband was a brother in a previous life. And the way that I know that, well, I have memories of previous life. I, you know, I, I'm, the way I've lived my life, I didn't get, because of my ear, probably, um, and the glove of pain I had to be that time. And from a spiritual perspective, the ear is about hearing and hearing what God is saying. And I came with with a memory and a hearing of what I was supposed to do. So that kind of resonates, you know, with my ability to hear and see in ways that other people maybe cannot. So that's a bit I forgot what I was gonna say. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> well, um, I know you mentioned a few sites and um, platforms for the listeners to find you on. We always, is there, are there any other? Well, authenticityassessment.com is definitely one where you can take the authentic life path assessment and uh, get a couple articles I've written and some other information. Howauthenticami.com if you want to take the, it's, uh, the assessment I just gave uh, to uh, Trent a little while ago. And also authenticityu, that's authenticity with the letter u.com. And that's the courses we have for the gifts and talents. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Norma T. Hollis, and if you come, be sure you leave me a note in terms of you let me uh, when I was with Trent, and or you can uh, coach. You can send me an email at coaching at normahollis.com, and uh, I'd love to have you connect and put you on my email. If you are in the Los Angeles area, I do a number of free events pretty much every month, and if you're on my list, I'll be inviting you. And we're in the process now of expanding our program nationally and internationally. So if you are a speaker or a coach and are looking for, if you like what you've heard and you want to know more about how you might be able to be a part of this movement that we're doing, then send your email to coaching at normalhollis.com and let's talk. Good. And we failed to mention throughout this uh, conversation that Norma one of her niches are working with some of the most renowned public speakers out there um, in the industry, in the world. So if you are in that space and other spaces, definitely reach out to Norma. So Norma, it's been, I've had conversations. <laughs> I am trying to my words because it was the one gentleman that he was on my podcast um, that one was titled The Ungoogleable Man, Mike Evans. And he was one of those conversations that I left the room saying, wow, that was really a lot. This one, I would have to put up there as well. I mean, you really have um, opened up and shared a lot of things um, with me in the audience. And... I think after this conversation, I, I definitely am a changed person. So I thank you for that. And I want to um, thank you for being on Bent with Trent the Gent. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a joy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Venters, I had a blast role playing with Norma. I trust you see how meeting with her can help you too. Until next time, find your talents. <laughs>